0: another episode of the fly in the wall show man i'm so happy I made it this far i would never let fear hold me back ever again and i got a special guest it's about to be an amazing conversation i got the legendary power move maker shaker it's about to be an amazing conversation man I swear I hear it all like a fly on the wall, but truly, I'm not small, I'm the flyest of all, and this a meeting ground for the blessed and profound, not how hottest talk show around, you better turn up your sound, cause if you want to be great, you gotta learn from the greats. analyze what they say and avoid their mistakes, if you got what it takes, just give me a call, I'm here, they hear it all, it's the Fly on the Wall show. What's up everybody, it's your boy JR Lee, and I'm back for another special episode of the Fly on the Wall show. And I'm joined by a special guest today. I have the lovely Dawn Dixon Apagane. And, you know, she's done such amazing, so many amazing things in the entrepreneur space, in the tech space. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her tell it. Ms. Dawn, for the people who may not know who you are, can you tell us a little about yourself and what it is that you do, please?
1: Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me today. Um, I am a serial entrepreneur and inventor. I've started six businesses in the past 20 years. Five of them are still in business. And um, I'm really widely known for raising capital through crowdfunding. So that's kind of what I've been known for for the past few years. But I definitely have been in business a long time. And I'm currently the CEO of a company that I founded called Popcom, which is an automated retail technology company. We develop software that helps vending machines and kiosks collect customer data.
0: Absolutely. And that's so amazing. And Dawn, um, where are you from, by the way?
1: I'm born and raised in Columbus, Ohio.
0: Columbus Ohio and um in Columbus Ohio how was it like you, for you growing up what was your environment like growing up home? Um,
1: um I mean pretty normal I guess I mean I wasn't wasn't rich by any means wasn't poor just kind of I would say middle class upbringing um had my my mom and stepdad in the house always had my dad in my life and so I feel like I have had two fathers um, and then two moms because I had a stepmom I have six siblings I was very active growing up in in activities and things so I generally have a a good childhood from what I can recall and and a lot of entrepreneurship was around me in my early life which I feel like was a catalyst to me starting my businesses later in life
0: absolutely and when was like your first taste of entrepreneurship like when did you know like man entrepreneurship may be for me
1: And when I was a kid, I always had some kind of a side hustle or doing something in the neighborhood, selling something or doing something. But my first real business was when I was 21 out of college. Um, I started my first company with a friend while we were working corporate jobs. And I think I knew it was for me when I just, I really knew that corporate was not for me. And so Mm -hmm. that's like the alternative. Either you work for someone or you work for you. And I knew I didn't like the corporate environment. So took that leap
0: absolutely and what if I may ask what about that environment was something that you didn't really like that you know made you take that leap in the first place
1: it was boring for me I mean I was I think I was the overachiever the same way school was boring for me I would get straight A's without trying so I think just I'm the kind of person that needs a lot of challenge and the problems to solve to keep me engaged so I just think I was at the time I was just really bored at what I was doing. I was making really good money and most people would have been very happy to have a job where they were just like not doing much and getting paid well. But I mean, sitting eight hours a day and not having like a lot of work, it would be very, it was, I didn't like that.
0: And what, what was that first business that you started?
1: It's called the dot com. It was a website to um, find out local events, entertainment, nightlife, concerts, and things like that in, in Central Ohio, where I'm from.
0: Absolutely. And then eventually you were able to start one of your companies called Flat Out of Heels. For people who may not know what that is, can you talk a little bit about that, please?
1: Yeah, Flat Out of Heels are rollable flats for women to wear when our feet hurt after hours of wearing heels. You can carry them in your purse or in the car, but it's just like a way to avoid seeing women walking barefoot or wearing sneakers or flip flops that doesn't really look good with their outfit. And so it was just, you know, the solution to stiletto sore feet is what we say.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. How did that, how did that idea spark within you? Like where, like, where were you when you had that brilliant idea? Like, like were you in the club and you was like, you wanted to take your shoes off and you couldn't yeah. and, like, how did.
1: That's the story. I was out and my feet was hurting and I did not want to walk barefoot out of there. In the, and I was at, in South beach and the car was far you know, the, I was in the club, but the car was far. In the club, you can sit down or you can lean against something, but it was like walking to the car. It, it was it was horrible. And I said, we have to think of something, a solution for this, because I just seen so many women walking barefoot when I was out and out and about in South Beach.
0: Absolutely, and you know, many people start a business, but they don't. They go into business mainly for making money or cloud or whatever the case may be. Is they don't really go into business to solve a problem, how important is it to, you know, cater your business off of solving a problem or a need?
1: I mean, that's the only reason you should ever start a business is to solve a problem or a need that people are willing to pay for. It's beyond solving a problem. You can solve a lot of problems and nobody will pay you to do it. So it's like, can you solve a problem? Is there, is there a market for this? Um, What are people willing to pay for it? Is it profitable for you to solve this problem? Those should be the questions that you ask yourself. How many people have this problem and how much money can I make? before you do anything.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And, you know, one of the very fascinating, interesting things about Flat Out of Heels where it, it wasn't just, you know, a rollerball, you know, flats and everything like that. It was like the the thought that went behind it, right? The fact that you can buy it out of a vending machine. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it just, it really came down to distribution and what's the most effective distribution channel to get the product to women when they need it the most. And my idea was that when you're out and about, especially at the club or, you know, at an airport or at a concert, you need to be able to get these shoes in a convenient way. And it wasn't scalable or it didn't make a lot of financial sense to open up stores. Right. And so essentially a vending machine is an automated storefront. And I thought it was a great idea. And I hadn't seen any other companies selling shoes or similar products and vending machines in the United States so I felt like it was a great opportunity to be disruptive in distribution and also get my hand my product in the hands of customers faster
0: absolutely and what like what was that process like was that a hard process to actually you know like was it just simply getting the vending machine and then you know putting the shoes in there what was that process like for you
1: it was very difficult. I, I mean, I didn't want to use a standard vending machine. A lot of right. you know, this these days, I see a lot of people being innovative and putting right. like eyelashes and weave in like regular rectangular Coke-looking vending machines and wrapping them and making them look better, which is which is definitely a change from before. But back when I started in 2012, they just people were not doing things like that, and I really wanted a machine that wasn't big and bulky, so I had to design my own machine. So it's it's a lot harder to design your own machine than to go use what's already out there. And so most people just go use what's already out there. But I decided to invent something for myself.
0: Wow. Now was that the first time like you would consider yourself an inventor or were you already kind of inventing other things such as like your heels, your 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 flats and everything like that?
1: I definitely consider myself to be an inventor since I was a kid. Been in, I was in an invention convention as a kid, and I invented something. But I was an official inventor when I was awarded a, a patent. So I've always came up with things, but actually getting it patented and saying, okay, you did. You are the one in the, in the United States that this is your idea. Because a lot of us have the same ideas. I believe that the right. creator um, downloads many, the same idea to many people, wanting somebody mm-hmm. to bring it to the world. You know, not one person can have an idea. It doesn't even make any sense. So a lot of people have the same ideas around the world, and then people have to bring it to market and execute it. And that's that makes a difference. So for me, I mean, just getting that patent and going through the whole process to make it official, that's what made me an inventor. But um, for flat out, I didn't invent the concept of a rollable foldable flat, but I definitely... Um, perfected it and, and made it better. And that's what a lot of people can do as well who are entrepreneurs is you don't have to come up with something new, but a new and innovative process or improving upon something is also equally as valuable.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, you know upon that journey, you actually ventured into creating your new company. Was that the company that you got the patent for, um, Popcom?
1: Yes, Popcom is the automated retail tech company, which is making hardware for, excuse me, software for hardware. And so even though I started out with the idea for vending under flat out, flat out is not a vending business. So I had to create a separate business that could focus on the vending side of things. I didn't want to change the entire focus of flat out as a business from making shoes on to sell online and in stores to now building vending machines. So I had to create a business that could actually sell flat out machines and that's what we have done and so i invented the vending machine and then the patent was awarded in 2020 and then i assigned the patent to um popcom
0: that's amazing congratulations by the way for that absolutely and you know upon you know watching you know other interviews i've heard you you know you've you've like compared like your software with popcom to with apple and the iphone what did you mean by that
1: um, really essentially it's that, you know, if you can recall, I don't know everybody's age here, but there used to be a flip phone and you just opened it up and it was very simple analog interface and, you know, you used it to make a call. You put, dial, dial the numbers and made a call. And then here comes Steve Jobs and the iPhone saying, no, you need this computer and this digital features and you need be able to play music, and you need to be able to get on the internet on your phone. And that changed everything. So I call us the iPhone of vending machines, because we literally did come in and change the entire design and functionality of vending machines, and the way that people interact with them in a type of technology that is included in vending machines like Steve Jobs and Apple did for the, for the iPhone. And now you see all the phones are smart now. I mean, everyone had to be smarter. It, it really challenged other companies to be more innovative and integrate more technology if they wanted to be able to keep up. And so it's really game changing for the entire industry.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And, you know, speaking of technology, you know, one of the most important things that we have, you know, is information and data. How is Popcom using information and data and tech to, you know, revolutionize the way we do business?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because that is our core functionality is the software that allows customers to collect data. Our customers are retailers. It allows them to collect data from their customers who are consumers at the point of sale. You can think about our software in the way that um, Google Analytics works for websites, So when you go to a website, no matter where you're going onto that website from, you have an IP address, whether it's on your phone or mobile device, that IP address is tracked by all websites, typically on the back end by Google Analytics. And what that does is it doesn't know who you are, but it knows that you're logging it, you're dialing into that website from this particular location, geographic location. It can tell the retailer and the merchant if you did complete a transaction, how long you spent there and all the activity and things that you do are tracked using your IP address. It also can tell if you're a repeat customer and there's just many insights that you can gather from understanding customer behavior at the point of sale, which is the computer or on your phone. So on the Popcoms instance, we take that functionality from e-commerce. We use facial recognition and detection to essentially track the human body instead of the IP address because the human is the one that is um, you know, the consumer. That's the device to the vending machine. And the vending machine counts the people that walk by and then creates a number that is the conversion rate, which is people that walk by versus actually who make a purchase, and then we also capture demographic profile like age and gender, emotions. Um, do heat mapping. We can deliver targeted advertisements, uh, targeted product suggestions, and this is exactly what happens online every day when we right. get marketed. You go to a website to buy a diamond ring, you get off of it. Next thing you know, it's a pop-up box. Here's that's a right. diamond ring. So it's the same type of technology that exists in e-commerce environment. We just brought that to the physical brick and mortar space.
0: Wow. That's powerful. And that's, that's amazing in, in itself. Now, is that technology now, is that limited to just flat-eye heels or that's something that other companies and business can take a, take <laughs> advantage of? Sorry.
1: Oh yes. Popcom is and flat out here to separate companies. So Popcom sells software to all retailers. So it's not just for flat out. It's a business. We have we have right now 25 customers um, just that we're launching with this year. So um yeah, flat out's one of our customers, but definitely not it's not just for flat out.
0: Okay, okay. Now with the pandemic, you know, we've seen a lot of businesses closing down. And, you know, did that like did that, you know, take a any type of you know negative effect on your vending your smart vending machine business with Popcom?
1: We, don't, we definitely weren't at risk of closing down, but it, it affected us in a lot of other ways, like in shipping delays, global supply chain challenges. We were manufacturing in China. We had to move our manufacturing stateside. So that definitely caused us to push our product release out a year. So, you know, that was a big deal, but it gave us opportunity to perfect our business model, to add some new things, to introduce new programs, to raise more money. So I feel like, you know, everything works out as it should and gave us time to improve upon our existing machine and build a machine that's more scalable. So we didn't have to rush to get to market, but it was difficult because it delayed our revenue for another year and our release.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a human being in general, how important is it to like be able to pivot and not like, you know, for you know, like fall, like fall under pressure. How important is it to pivot?
1: I mean, it comes down to just knowing when is the right time to make a change. So to pivot or change how you're doing something, choose to go a different direction based on the, the, the climate of the world or your industry or whatever's going on in your life today. So I think the most important, one of the most important, traits of an entrepreneur that's successful is adaptability and being flexible, not being stuck to one way of doing things. So if I was stuck on, oh my God, I got to build these things in China, when COVID hit, I would have been out of business. But I said, no, we're going to find somebody here. Or if I was stuck to, we, we only can sell machines, then I would, it wouldn't have been made, made a way for us to introduce a leasing model. So it's just being flexible and understanding that what's best for your business can change based on various conditions that a lot of times are out of your control.
0: Absolutely absolutely thank you so much and you know i i also you know congratulations again, I know you recently got married not too long ago, and um I know that you have an ebook that you that you released um you know kind of going in line with that. can you talk a little bit about that please
1: yeah, our book is coming out on october twenty ninth twenty twenty one started in the d m you can find us on social media at started in the d m and our website started in the d m dot com but since we met we met in instagram d m And we got married six months later. And that also um, from my experience, I realized talking to other people, how many other couples today met online and met in on some type of like dating app or some type of social media platform going all the way back to black, black planet in my space that I found (laughs) who, who met. So once I once I started talking about publicly how I met my husband, which really was sparked like on the Breakfast Club, then a lot of people came out and saying, Me too, me too. And then Me too. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, me yeah, too. <laughs> and other people say, um, you know, what did I what should I do? Or how can I how can I meet the one? And so we thought it would be a fun idea to put out a book about our experience and share our tips, but as well as um, working with an artist um, named Samson, the artist to create original artwork that people could resonate with, and then also that we could create an NFT gallery. So another, wow. another opportunity for us to just, you know, integrate technology into telling our story.
0: Now, see, that's powerful the way that you're able to just integrate tech and all of these different things into your businesses. Why, why do you do that?
1: I mean, I've been in tech my whole career. I went to school for tech in 2000. So that's how, that's how I'm wired. You know, I'm, everything that I've done is tech driven and tech enabled, even selling shoes. So using technology as a tool to move your business forward. So you should always be looking at ways you can leverage the technology and the trends. And since NFTs are a trend, I'm like, shit, let's take these illustrations, these custom illustrations. We're making a, a coffee table, really nice book if people want a physical book. But if they're into tech, you know, the digital side of things, you can buy the, the artwork, which is original art that we had commissioned. And so it's just finding creative ways to also generate more revenue. We'll make money from the book. We'll make money from the artwork.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, speaking about making money right earlier on this conversation, you talked about you've been known for like recently for like, well, not just recently, but you've been known for crowdfunding. Right. Congratulations. You know, you've 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 raised over two point five million dollars. Not an easy thing to do. You've broken several records. Can you talk about like the process of crowdfunding? Like what is crowdfunding and how can someone get involved with that?
1: Crowdfunding is essentially raising capital for your business from the crowd, but in the form of equity. So giving away shares, it's not like the crowdfunding that we've known in the past, like a Kickstarter Indiegogo, where someone would fund a product they wanted to bring to market and have people pre-order it. And what people get is a product or people just donating and investing in like a film project. This is actually um, buying equity shares in early stage companies before they go public or before they grow which gives you more risk, but also more reward on the other side if the company does become successful. And if people want to be involved in crowdfunding on as, a, as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of opportunities to raise money and a lot of platforms that you can do it on. I have a blog on Medium where I share all of the information and it's medium.com at Don Dixon. And then if you're an investor or just a person that wants to know where can you find companies to invest in, I also, on my Medium blog, every month publish a list of Black companies that you can invest in. And my most recent blog is about Black companies that are crowdfunding. But you can go on any of these sites, Start Engine, WeFunder, um, Republic. Uh, there, there's several that you can see to invest that you can go on and find companies that resonate with you and invest in them as simple as, you know, shopping on Amazon. So right now I'm in the process of completing our... My final crowdfunding campaign it ends on October twenty first, and um, we're looking to raise four million dollars. And I think we're at three million as of now. But um, you know, it's it's a it's a lot of work. It's not easy. It's uh, raising money is definitely a lot of work, no matter which path that you decide to take. But I feel like crowdfunding is my favorite because it gives everyone access, and I really believe in creating equal opportunities to create generational wealth across the community. So this was my way of doing that.
0: Absolutely. That's amazing. And, you know, what are some things that people should look for, you know, in a company when they're looking to invest into a company?
1: That's a great question. Really. They need to read the whole page. I have people, even that invested in my company, I have over 7,000 investors at this point, And a lot of them just invested because they might have liked what right. they heard. Thank you. They might have liked what they heard me say, or they like me and they don't really understand what they invested in, which I'm very honored that people would trust me in that way. But I also feel that it's very important to read everything available to have a deep understanding of where the business is at. People will email me even as cl- recently as yesterday, when am I going to get a return on my investment? And I'm like, they clearly didn't read because this is, this is not a flip. It's a hold for some years. It's an early stage mm-hmm. investment and you get a return on your investment when the company has a liquidity event, when we have an exit, a merger, um, acquisition, or IPO. So you're not getting a return immediately. It's something that you invest in and you keep for a while. So my 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 recommendation is thoroughly read everything so you can have expectation of, of the stage of the company, when you can expect your return or when they're expecting to have a liquidity event, because they will share with you their targets. My targets are the next three to five years. So there's some time there because I want to continue to build the the company and the value but some people are later and they're like well we want to get out later Or some people are really early but it's important to understand the business model too like how they make money and how your investment's gonna grow so just read people these days don't like to read they like they to TikTok, watch videos and but y'all need to read because when it comes down to your money it's so important to understand what you're getting involved in and it's it's very easy to get caught up into like a person's personality and their persona the and what they look like online and in the hype. And even myself, I was recently scammed, you know, by a person in an investment scam because it looked very credible. But I, even me, me, a person that's very educated, yeah. I didn't do my due diligence because I had a trust there because I felt like, oh, they look, they're trustworthy. We're in the same network, but this showed me a lesson that, you know, you have to, no matter who this person is and how credible they appear, doing your due diligence and really digging into things before you invest will show you.
0: Absolutely. And I know you mentioned the time frame, three to five years, right? Where do you see yourself and Popcom in the next three to five years?
1: Um, acquired, Popcom acquired and under a big brand, I would love to, to one day work with a brand like a Shopify or a Swift or, um, you know, a, a similar brand, a Redbox, a brand that really wants to bring some new technology and continue to scale. I think there's a lot of acquisition targets for us globally. Me personally, I I would like to retire as a CEO um when I'm forty-five. So got about three years to that. And for me, that's just when it's time for me to step down in that role. You know, CEO is a very I've been CEO since since I was twenty-one years old and I've learned a lot. You know, I wasn't the best CEO at twenty one. I didn't know a lot. But I grew into who I am today and I realized that even though I, I like being CEO and I'm really good at it, I really have passion for other things. Like I love marketing, which is really where I started. And I like to have my hands in other parts of the business. But as CEO, you have to be so high level and such a generalist and do high level and top level things that I can't always you know, I have the time to get into the things that I actually enjoy. So I think that I see myself moving to maybe another role within the business um, later on down the line. And um, continuing, of course, to always push the brand forward and be involved in some way, but letting someone come in as CEO that really is focused on scale and operations to to the next, next level.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And so I I remember you talking about exit, talking about retiring at 45, you don't look a day over 21. So, so do you, so you, you do plan on selling your companies. Eventually you don't have no attachments where it's just like, I, I can't sell my company. You have some entrepreneurs or business owners, they have to be in every part of the company. They don't want to sell it. You don't have any attachments where you won't be. Able-
1: I have no attachment to the business at all. You know, as, as CEO, I have, I'm focused on our vision, but our vision does change. But as far as having personal attachments or like me identifying myself with the business, my identity is as Don Dixon and Pagone, is not attached to anything in my career. So it's important for people to have their own identity as well, because a lot of times what happens is everything you have and everything you are is in this, tied up in this business. It's your baby. Like this business is not my baby. It's, it's a business that I started because it's a great opportunity. I see the opportunity to create wealth, to bring a product to market that the, that the world needs but it's not my baby, you know, my, my daughter, human being is my baby. And I think when we put those, that kind of attachment to our businesses, like that emotional attachment, we, we're, we're, we can't even pivot. We can't even change our original idea. We can't even sell it. If a good opportunity comes along, that will change our lives and everybody's life around us because we're so connected to it because it defines us. So I want to see them grow and do well. I, I will not walk away. And give up on them or quit unless they are doing well. But in the event there's an opportunity for me to walk away, and it makes sense for my shareholders and my team, and we're all aligned, then I'll do it. Because I'm going to always do what's best for the for the team. At the end of the day, it's not about me. There's so many people involved. There's thousands of people involved, so I can't make decisions based on what I want to do. People want liquidity. People didn't invest in Popcom to hold this investment for the rest of their life. They do want to exit. And when I knew that when I took money from the crowd, that there was a more um, focused um, concept towards let's exit so people can get their money back. You know what I
0: mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned like you, this is not, this is not your baby. You have a daughter. Is that you and your husband in the picture?
1: Yeah, that's my husband and I, my husband, Frederick. That's, that's a, a picture that I gifted him. That's the day we got engaged. Oh. So that's a painting of that.
0: That's beautiful, and it's right there in center. Center. Um, how important is family for you?
1: Well, family is the foundation. You know, my my thing is me first, then family, and then business. And so, um, I'm very, very close with my family. I made an effort because I was an entrepreneur all these times. So I will say, in the early years of my 20s, I was distant from my family. I was an outlier. Like okay. nobody understood what I was doing. I was building a tech company when people did not know what the hell tech was. <laughs> so I was really, you know, really separated. And I made it, I made a decision like, wait, I'm putting all my life into work and I'm missing out on really important things going on in the lives of like my family. Um, I haven't, you know, I'm not involved. I'm not around and and money's not worth that. Especially when you start to experience loss and have deaths and you're like, damn, I wish I was around. So those kind of things that happened made me just change the way I think about things. I used to be that kind of person, like team no sleep. I'm working all day. you know, I'm doing me, I was, you know, grinding. And then I was like, you're going damn kill yourself and miss out Mm -hmm. on everything in life to try to make money, which that's not the most fulfilling thing. And I guess it's easy to say, um, it's easy to say like money's not the most important thing when you have it. Right. But I know what it's like to not have it as well. And so working hard to get it made me realize when I had it, that that is not what is the most fulfilling i heard people say that rich people say it all the time like money doesn't make you happy and like when you yeah. broke you're like yeah whatever i'm gonna be happy
0: yeah. <laughs> <Sorry, laughs> do
1: trust me i'm gonna be happy <laughs> but it doesn't you know it doesn't especially when it's like okay i can buy anything that i want and then i don't even want anything but just some rest right. <laughs> or like to chill and have dinner with my family you know right. this, the things you want change right
0: so now like how do you find balance now? Like what are some things do you have any spiritual practices or any type of self-care routines that you get into now to find some type of balance and help you stay grounded?
1: Yeah, I love that. I definitely believe in staying grounded and I do believe there's no there's no true balance. It's about prioritizing what's important and what you need to focus on for that moment, for that hour, for that day. And so whatever myself tells me that I need is what I give myself. So I'm whatever, like, so if I need to put my laptop down or, you know, every Friday I have no meetings. I don't have meetings before 11 a.m. And I don't have meetings after 6 p.m. So those are my boundaries. That's when I can have some time to myself and not to be um, and that's on a day to day basis that I have to set these boundaries to just keep myself like from just not getting burned out. And then, of course, I take vacations, but I've built a team where I can walk away. I can unplug for some days and they'll take care of it. It wasn't like that in the early days, but I worked towards these goals to be able to create a business that could operate without me. And so that's what I've done. But if you don't have that kind of business and you're still the main one, at least give yourself like I don't work on the weekends anymore. Yeah. you know, give yourself some time, something that you need, even if it's just like laying down to take a break. But now it's to the point where I like, I definitely take a vacation once a month. I, I, but I'm over 40. Like these were my 40 goals. I worked since I was 20 years old to yeah. have the life that I have today. I knew exactly the kind of life that I wanted. I seen people live in this life and I'm like, okay, how do they get there? I read books. I studied successful people and I just Took a lot of their steps. I have my own path. So I have my own steps and my own mistakes and things. But overall, like the qualities that they possess, having, you know, deep rooted in like some type of spirituality, um, you know, ha- having a personal self-care practice, learning how to say no, learning how to delegate. Um, these are all things that they have done. And that's some, those are things that everybody has to do. People that'll be like, oh, I, I can't bring anybody into my company. They won't do it as good as me. And I can't delegate. I have to be in control of everything. Well, you'll just burn yourself out and run yourself crazy because nobody successful is, is, is doing it all in their own.
0: It's not possible.
1: It's not possible. And if you feel like you have to touch and see everything that comes through your business, you're also not going to be successful.
0: I know you mentioned, you know, some books that you're reading, what type of books did you read or what type of books do you still read?
1: I read all kinds of books. I I have stacks of books. I'm obsessed. Actually. I'm like, I have so many books I haven't even read, but some of my favorite books um, are the four agreements, um, the hard things about hard things. I love that book. I'm always, I'm always listening to audio book or reading a book, the vortex. These are books that kind of guide my life. Um, I just got the book, the Nipsey Hustle book um, that was mm-hmm. gifted to me. So I'm going to read that. My friend just wrote a book. So I just, I just, I think that it's important to read what calls out to you. Like right. like yourself tells you what you need. Sometimes we don't listen, but we'll yes. be led to things, whether it's like led to hear something or see something or read something. So it's so important to tap in and like, listen to yourself, that voice in Intuition your it's Intuition
0: is powerful.
1: Yes, your gut, your intuition. And so I read what I'm told to read. I recently just finished a book called What the Heck is um, EOS? Entrepreneur Entrepreneur Operating System. And it's about how to run your business, like how your company should be on an operating system. And that was helpful. I needed to read that at that time. And it's been on my shelf for two years. And I finally, myself told me it's time to read this book. And it was so timely. So that's kind of what I read is what myself tells me that I need at that time.
0: Absolutely. And um, what, what are your thoughts on mentorship?
1: I think you I think mentors are critical. I've always had a mentor. I've always went out and got I have multiple mentors. I have mentors to, who are experts in everything. I'm not an expert in, which is a whole bunch of things. So every area of my business where I'm not the strongest, I go get a team member and a mentor or advisor to assist with those things.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Don. And the last question I'm going to ask you is a question that I like to ask all of my guests when they come on this show is their definition of success. Now, success, it can vary depending on where you are in your life. It doesn't have to be monetary. As you said before, it can just be being happy. It could be freedom. It could be family. What is your definition of success?
1: My definition is just meeting goals that I set, you know, and, and and I celebrate every small win. So I celebrate my daily successes because if I measure myself by some big vision that I may have for my life, I'll never be fulfilled. And so I allow myself to be like, OK, I it this day. It went well. Today was successful. Successful day. Or, you know, yeah, I didn't get my vending machines out yet. The shit's taking way longer than I thought. But we're successfully working towards that goal. So I think it's important to celebrate the, all the wins even things like, okay, we got a customer. That's a success. We're one step closer to the goal or I hired a new team member. Wow. That's one step closer. So that's what success is to me. I feel like I'm very successful because I'm able to set a goal and work towards that, whatever that goal is.
0: Absolutely done. And where can people um, invest with you? And where can they connect with you?
1: Yep. They can invest at startengine.com forward slash pop com. And you can engage with me and, um, you know, read my content and all the things that I share on all social platforms, except for TikTok. I'm definitely not on TikTok. And <laughs> I'm not on Snapchat. But I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, and Medium is where I'm the most active.
0: Absolutely. Do you plan on getting on TikTok? TikTok is really, is really, you know, plan on it?
1: I'm going to tell you something. It's just, I think it's cool and everything, but like where I'm at, I don't feel like being on the phone. Like the last thing I want to mm-hmm. do after I work all day and do a ton of interviews and conversations, get on the phone and start dancing on the phone. Like I don't want to touch the damn phone. Like that's the that's the reason why I don't consume a lot of content that's out right. there that I do feel like, oh, this could be cool.
0: Right. It's
1: like, I need a break. Like this is in my hand all day. The second yes. I put it away, I don't want to play with it. I want it away from me. <laughs> but I think it's cool. I have a daughter. She's seventeen. She's, you know, I've I've found myself into a few TikToks by default, but it's not my thing.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You don't see yourself delegating that task to someone else, like a content creator. Well, a few
1: a TikTok, so it's okay. relevant. But Pop okay. um, we wouldn't need a TikTok or B two B. I think our customers mm-hmm. who are retailers mm-hmm. could really use TikTok use to TikTok. showcase their their machine. But a B two B business. Um, I didn't see any need for TikTok there but yeah flat out appeals does have a TikTok and you can get some flat out appeals at flatoutappeals.com.
0: Absolutely absolutely well done. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to connect with you and learn more about you. It was a it was an honor and a privilege. I really appreciate for you dropping
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you so much.
1: You. Too.